This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. I'm here with our founder uh, and spiritual leader, Rocky Fleming. Good morning, Brian. Good uh, everybody. <laughs> so uh, we're continuing in our Compelled by Grace series where we are unpacking uh, the 13 kingdom secrets found in Compelled by Grace. And we're having a lot of fun with this. And uh, the one for today is uh, a really one of our favorite ones, and it's uh, really important. I think it's the title even comes from this chapter, The Secret of God's Compelling Grace. So we're going to talk about grace today, Rocky. And uh, uh, there's a couple of scriptures you use in the in the discussion guide when you that you put together for people to go through the book. And uh, it was first Corinthians 1510 was the first one that you used. Um, We always like to start with the foundation of, of scripture. Uh, Paul was uh, teaching, he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, John um, in John 1.16 says, from his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. Yeah. So um, I think we need to talk about, I'll talk about the definition of the you know, what you put in here at the book. But I, before I do that, I want to just ask you, uh, let's talk about what is grace. Yeah. And, and, and in the workbook, you you kind of pulled something that we use in the journey as well is def- defining or differentiating between justice, mercy, and grace. So let's talk about that for a second and help us understand what grace is. Well, uh, that'd be a good, good jumping off point. Uh, justice is getting what we deserve, right? You go to court. Uh, you're sued or you're suing someone and and uh, they they've done you wrong mm-hmm. and you get a verdict for you and then justice has been served as far as you're concerned on the other hand justice might be served for them too mm-hmm. and um, and so justice is getting what we deserve just let's establish that mm-hmm. mercy is not getting what we deserve uh, mercy would be a situation where uh, the judge says you know you have uh, you, you're guilty here. Um, you, uh, you've got to pay a penalty, maybe a, a ticket, as an example, a driving ticket. And at your speed, uh, you, you would have a, normally a, a $200 ticket. But uh, we're going, the, mer- the court's going to give you mercy, and we're not going to give you what you deserve. We're going to give you a $50 fine. So, so mercy is getting, uh, not getting what we deserve. And uh, if, if, if it were justice, we would get what we deserve. But mercy is is not getting what we deserve. And, and I just have to bring this up because you love this story too. But Les Miserables, uh, John Valjean stole the you know this prayer. This bishop let yeah. him stay the night at his house, and he repays him by stealing his yeah. his silver candlesticks. Yeah. and gets caught by the police, and they bring him back to the bishop. And you know he should have been gone to prison for stealing. But mm-hmm. but uh, the bishop says, "Oh no, I told him to take those." You know, and yeah. he, he he didn't want him to get what he deserved because he he had mercy. And that 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 would be the case. Yeah. Let's stay on that story, okay? Because I think we can work through all of it because uh-huh. justice would have demanded that John Valjean be put back in prison. Yeah. Because right? Right. he stole. I mean, that's the truth. But the one who would, uh, you know, sign a complaint, issue a warrant, 
uh, and would tell and, and would tell the judge you need to send him back to jail was the priest uh, and a Monsignor or whatever he was. I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly, but but anyway, he uh, he says no, no, uh, I'm not going to do that. He didn't give him what he deserved, and that would be mercy. But let's look at the next. And, and by the way, the look on John Valjean's face. You know, he'd never been treated like that. No. And he just, he was in ama- amazement that yeah. this guy would do this for him. Yeah, as a child, he was put in prison for stealing bread. Yeah, yeah. And true, I mean, he was hungry and true, he stole the bread. But what he was given was uh, unmerciful. Mm-hmm. And he grew up basically as that way. I mean, it's like uh, a picture of us in the world when we're born into this world. Uh, we have a natural course that will be in this world for us unless it's disrupted. Yeah. And that is the flesh, the nature of us in this world and the value system of this world would take us down a road that uh, would look like Jean Valjean. Yeah, he had become a very unmerciful man when he was yeah. in charge of people, he was yeah. horrible. Yeah. And then now he's getting mercy for the first time in his life. That's right, that's <laughs> right, he was getting mercy. Uh, but let's see the next thing, because then the, ne- the next thing we see the priest saying, but I'm ashamed of you, John Valjean, because didn't you know that I gave you these silver candlesticks as well? Uh-huh. So not only did he not give him what he deserved, this is grace. He gave him something he didn't deserve. Mm. And, uh, and this is God. God is a just God. and He demands justice, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, and a penalty had to be paid. That's just what a just justice requires. It has to be a penalty. Yeah. But there was an exchange. And the exchange was that Christ paid the penalty, the justice aspect. Yeah. And God gave us mercy in that he did not give us what we deserve because we all deserve hell. And by way of Jesus Christ, he, uh, he kept us from that. But grace gave us so much. Mm. Uh, he gave us adoption. Mm. He gave us a sonship, daughtership. He gave us a, uh, a relationship with him. And the grace, Brian, is something that we don't understand. I really don't think we really understand it well. Mm. Because the grace that God gives us is the first step into the relationship, and it is the continuing step, mm. the continuing walk the continuance of the relationship we have with him is grace. Grace walks with us. Uh, Grace enables us. Uh, Paul said in his passage, by the grace of God, I am who I am. Mm -hmm. And in John, it talks about you've given grace upon grace, Mm -hmm. right? John speaks of that. Grace upon grace, that's a mysterious thing. How can you have grace and then grace upon grace? It's because we continue to have grace mm. all through our relationship. Uh, many people feel like, okay, yeah, well, God saves us by his grace. Now i got to work to keep it. Mm-hmm. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> because that's where grace upon grace comes in because grace continues to help us not only keep it, but if we will allow it, if we will allow that grace to saturate into our life, it will transform our life. Mm. And we will begin to look more and more like the, the, 
the Son of God. You know, and I, I'm just thinking about our journey process. We call it a grace-driven yeah. process. And, and so any leaders out there, we have an opportunity to extend grace to people. Because as leaders, some, you know, sometimes we don't always extend the grace that we've received. Mm -hmm. you, know, we, we, you know, we love to receive it, but then we don't extend it. And you have a great uh, quote that I've quoted many times. You said, we put a crown on someone's head and let them grow up into it. Yeah. You know, and that's hard for a lot of people to understand because they think, and, and even people who are thinking about joining the journey, they don't think they're worthy. They don't think, I'm too, I got to clean my act up before I go to something yeah. like this. I'm not ready for this. I, I can't. We're like, no, you're ready as, as, as soon as you're ready to just say, um, Lord, I, I give you my life. You know, you're ready. <laughs> you know, again, the, the issue is, is that uh, in, in John, the first chapter, it says that he came to his own, but his own received him not. But to those who received him, to them, he gave the right to be children of God. Yeah, that's right. So even though we don't look like it, when we receive Christ and we don't really understand what it means. We're still babies. We still have so much of the flesh, but grace has allowed us in. Mm -hmm. the, the, the crown is put on our head at that point. Now, growing into it is allowing him to make us, to recreate us, to reform us into people that look and act and speak and think more like Christ. Mm. And that is the sanctification process from the beginning of salvation to the time we come into his kingdom, we are being sanctified, which is security and also the work of transformation. Can we disrupt it? Yep, we sure mm -hmm. can. And the best way we disrupt it is that we become legalistic. Yeah. Uh, or we ignore the Lord mm -hmm. and just let our flesh take over. Uh, the, both of those things lead us astray. They're not on the path. Uh, but when we are able to learn to walk in his grace and this is a love relationship his grace to me is his love for me and my response is my love to him and that love connection right there is abiding mm -hmm. in christ mm -hmm. that's right and that's what transforms us oh yeah absolutely well in each uh, each of these chapters you have a definition of, of the kingdom secrets so i want to read this real quick uh, the secret of god's compelling grace there's a basic condition in mankind that needs to be reconnected with God. An empty yearning condition in our soul exists, for it's created in our spiritual DNA to need an intimate connection with our Creator. This emptiness is filled only through the compelling grace of God by way of Jesus Christ. When our emptiness is filled, we are then led to avail our life to God in such a way that the Holy Spirit may use us to effectively reach out to another person and connect him or her with Christ. The ways we carry out this sacred responsibility may vary based on the unique expression of his grace through us. However, the direction we point another person must always be to Jesus Christ through his compelling grace. And that's part of kind of what we were talking about of taking the grace you received in it. it it's a pay it forward. You know, it, it flows through us to help other people. Yeah, we're a conduit. Yeah. And I love that in the story, this is a great chapter when... Uh, they weren't sure if Ned was going to come back, and mm -hmm. you know they you know, had they they'd made a few mistakes along there. The, the storyteller had made a few mistakes. Dottie cleaned it up, and then <laughs> and then he he still just Ned didn't know how to take this idea of grace, and it, it scared him a little bit. And then he came back, and he uh, he had written a he'd heard Amazing Grace, the song, and it really struck a chord in his heart. And then he wrote a his own poem or lyrics to a new song, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, he started off by. Uh, 
by singing Amazing Grace, but with a different lyric, a little, little re- different rendition yeah. that he created. But the lyrics were the same. And he had only heard it one time. Yeah. And that was the genius of Ned. He, he was a genius. And, 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 and now there's a lesson here about how we misjudge people. Oh, yeah. Uh, we look at the outside of them and we get an impression of them and that we don't ever let them out of it. And yet when we began to look through the eyes of grace, through God's eyes, then we began to not look at that surface stuff. We mm-hmm. began to look at what's, what's beneath that. Mm-hmm. And because in that, God has created some beauty in everybody, even the most worthless looking people in the world. Mm-hmm. There's something in there that if it can be connected to God's grace, it will come alive. Mm-hmm. And so we see that in Ned. Um, and so in, in, in that scenario you're talking about, he came back and he, he began uh, singing it and, it, and it and it astounded them because he remembered every word and it, it, it impacted his heart. But he went beyond that now. That's when that musical genius and that connection, that understanding now, grace is so amazing that he had to write his own deal. Mm. And, and this is a, uh, actually it's a poem that uh, Ned wrote, and he backed it up with music, mm-hmm. uh, because it didn't. It would not have the same. Uh, <laughs> it would not be able to be written with it with the metrics that you would have normally with a with a song. And I'm not a songwriter, but that's I part. I know, know that part, <laughs> but also know how there have been many creative people that have written poems that have put music behind it, mm-hmm. and, and those poems have expressed. What they're trying to say, mm-hmm. and that's what this is. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, I, we, I'm just going to read the lyrics here to the to the poem that he wrote. That uh, maybe someday someone will put it to music. But yeah. uh, it says uh, it was called "Compelled by Grace." This man once saw the beauty of the stars and asked who formed them. He asked if there is one who sees him or one who knows him or does he even care. Then this man heard, "There's a grace that compels. A grace excels all his faults." But can this be true? Can this man be made so clean by one so good and could wash away all his stains? Can there be one so good, could love so right, even though this man knows not his name? Can there be a grace that brings what he's longed for and a grace that gives him hope? Can there be a grace that wakes his heart to feelings he never knew and a grace that shows him the reason why? Can there be a grace that shows him how incomplete he is and yet a grace that makes him complete? Can this be true? Can this be true that one such as this man can be found and loved by one as so good as you? Can there be more perfect love than this man would die for me? This man died for me. Now this man, Jesus, gives his grace, and he gives his grace to me. What must I do? What else can I do but take this grace that longs in me? What else can I do? What must I do? I must take this grace that's been shown to me. Love so amazing, cause grace is so amazing. This man now can see it's him who's amazing. It's Jesus who's amazing because he gave his grace to me. Life's so amazing and joys are growing because now I walk with thee. Stars now amazing and nights are blazing because your grace taught me how to see. Your grace taught me how to see. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really good. I, I, uh, I think I was when you were talking about, we, you know, Ned was... This rough guy, big, overweight, monster-looking guy, unkempt, you know, yeah. beard, you know, probably didn't have good hygiene, all that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but there's this beautiful 
humble, heartfelt, you know, musical genius inside this guy, you yeah. know, that, that ends up emerging, you know, yeah. and um, I just think about how we tend to judge people, you know, by their appearances. Oh, they got all these tattoos or they, you know, or they're, or they're overweight or they're, mm. they look, or they just seem despicable. They're living in sin. They're, they're, we hate their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And we just can really put people in a category. And I, oh, years ago, uh, God gave me a picture of if you could look at somebody deeply and just kind of look at them and try to imagine them shrinking down to when they were like about two years old. Because, you know, it's hard to feel any negative thoughts towards a two-year-old running around. Everyone loves little little kids, you know, and all that. And they were all this, this perfect little innocent little thing at one time, you know. And if we do that, I think we could start looking deeper inside somebody and seeing who maybe who God designed them to be. And maybe they've gotten off course. Obviously, they've gotten off course. But isn't that what we're talking about? Well, it is, Brian. Uh, you know, I think the big question is how how can that happen? How can we get to that point, right, mm -hmm. that we can look at people like that? And I don't think it's something that that is is can be done with willpower. Yeah, you know, I can't say, okay, today I'm going to go out here and look at somebody differently. Uh -huh. uh, it's just it's got to be inspired. It, it's actually a there's a transformation of our perspective. Yeah, uh, and I like it when when you say ask the question, what would you, Jesus do here? Mm -hmm. When um, there's something of a decision that we have to make, and you ask the question, "What would Jesus do?" That's kind of akin to it. Yeah. But can you get to a point where you're walking with Him that uh, He actually teaches you how to see people different? Mm -hmm. I think so. I think that's a fruit of abiding. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I do believe that. And I do believe that when we begin to get to that point where we can see uh, differently, not only our lives and other people's lives uh, and things, but people in specific that are generally very offensive to us. If we mm -hmm. can, if we can bridge that. Now, just think about this: um, What was the perspective of the Pharisees about the lepers, mm. about the tax collectors, about the prostitutes, mm -hmm. about the uneducated? What was their perspective? Un unclean, keep them away, put them, cast them out, and that's unworthy. Unworthy. That's right. Yeah. And uh, what was Jesus' perspective of those people? He went to them. <laughs> mm -hmm. He walked toward them. That's mm -hmm. right. And, and he and, said, come to me. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so if we're going to have the perspective of the Pharisees, we just do what's natural. Yeah. That's what we do. We judge people based on what we see. Yeah. And when we have a snap judgment of them and we compare them to us, ourselves generally, and we're, we think we're the examples of right behavior and the right way ways things need to be done mm -hmm. until God starts showing us that how far from that we are. And by his grace, he opens our eyes to ourselves. And you see, before we can start looking at other people that in the way he does, Brian, we have to begin looking at ourselves the way he looks at us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now there's two ways to look at that. One is the critical aspect and the other is the positive, the critical negative is that our illusions of ourselves are removed and we see ourselves really totally unworthy in fact we can even become dangerously susceptible to the accuser's voice at that point mm -hmm. as he reminds us all the time how unworthy we are to call ourselves christians yeah uh, that's that that's dangerous but it's needed 
Yeah. Okay. Feeling the conviction of sin. Absolutely. The unworthiness. Yeah. We got to be Jean Valjean in this situation. Yeah. No, man, I deserve justice here. Oh, I didn't get, I got mercy instead. Oh, oh, <laughs> he gave me the silver candlesticks. And then we followed John Valjean's story. It melted him. It changed him. And he became a, an amazing man. Yeah, that's right. And that is the story of redemption. That's right. And transformation. That's right. And fruit. It's a beautiful story of mm -hmm. the gospel. Mm -hmm. And we step into the into that uh, picture, uh, that role as Jean Valjean. I mean, we are him. Yeah, yeah. Right? It has to start there. Yeah. It has to start there. Now, it doesn't end there, though. Yeah. Because that, that's when he starts teaching us to see not only other people differently, but we have to see ourselves differently. Mm -hmm. We have to see ourselves through his eyes. The critical aspect is he's loved us even in our sins. But the positive aspect, he's removed our, our sins from his memory. Mm -hmm. That's grace. And so do I remove my sins from my memory? I'm the least to do that. Yeah. I don't. And he's always teaching me about grace has to start with the way you see yourself. Yeah, that's right. You have to not only receive my grace, you've got to give yourself my grace. And then when you do that, then you can begin to do it to others. Yeah, that's right. And we oftentimes don't do it. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, this is... Uh this is beautiful, and I, I'm sure, hoping you know, this is prompting people to want to um, uh, reread the book if they haven't already read it, or read it for the first time, and maybe even go through the discussion. But uh, I'm, I'm stopping a little bit, a few minutes early, because I want to make sure that people know about your new book yeah. that we just announced last week, and uh, it's uh, it's not. You didn't write it to be part of our journey curriculum, like a lot of our other books. Yeah. But uh, just give us a little, uh, tell us a little bit about a little it for a few minutes. A little teaser, yeah. Brian, I, uh, I, I really do feel like that uh, when I write, whether it's a blog or, or the books that I write or the curriculum I've written and all that, it's come out of my walk with Christ. Mm -hmm. it, it's just so dependent on that. And, and there are storylines that, that God gives me that impresses me that helps me understand what I need to write. And of course, in the curriculum itself, I, I needed to write. Uh, or an orphan no more mm -hmm. because of the orphan spirit and the foundation of, of the journey. I needed to write Abide because it's it's a key issue about what we do, mm -hmm. abiding. I mm -hmm. needed to write compel, uh, 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 I need to write uh, Beyond the Inner Chamber. Beyond the Inner Chamber because it, it was a bookend to Journey to the Inner Chamber. Yeah. And so all of those were impressions that God gave me that I needed to write. Not to be cheesy here, but you were you feel compelled. Yeah, <laughs> you're compelled by grace to write these. Things. That's not cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, <laughs> I was compelled, and I have been compelled. Mm -hmm. And but uh, and it it's been the greatest joy in my life to hook up with the Lord that way because yeah. it's all it's He teaches me. Mm -hmm. And so this the return is is something very current in my life. The title, you're speaking the title of the book. It's called, yeah. I didn't say it. It's called The Return. So. And, and it's a prodigal son story. Okay. And uh, it's uh, current in my life with family members. Uh, mm. But it's also uh, prevalent in the society. Yeah. 
where you have a lot of sons and daughters uh, and fathers and mothers who are in that uh, terrible place of uh, hurt and anger and, rec- and need for reconciliations. Yeah, yeah. And uh, someone has to initiate uh, a reconciliation. And uh, if you think about it, the father initiated a reconciliation to us. Now we have a story that Jesus gave about the prodigal son and mm-hmm. the prodigal father. And the prodigal father uh, had already initiated a return of his son. And you know how he initiated the return of his son? His son remembered his father. Yeah. And the way he remembered the heart of his father. Right. And he knew that he didn't deserve it, but he would be welcome. Yeah. And I think that, that sometimes uh, we build a home in our, our wayward children remember and come back and we should welcome them. We should pray for them as they are estranged. But sometimes fathers and mothers need to understand they didn't play their part and they need to initiate that return. Mm. They got to be the ones that go after them and bring them home. And this is the story of a father going after his prodigal son and bringing him home. Mm. But when he does it, he discovers that Papa, Father, God, is going after him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've, I've had the privilege of reading. You got to read it before it came out, and you let me read it. And uh, it's a great story. It's one. Of, it's a really new story, something totally different. And uh, I love it. It's present-day time, and uh, it's full of your Southern charm <laughs> and, and food stories and uh, <laughs> Southern characters that are just you great. You eat my books, boy. I, I'm always hungry after I read a chapter. <laughs> You're a foodie. That's okay. Uh-huh. We, we'll talk about that later. We'll let you confess later. But, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a great story. You guys, uh, I encourage you to read it. We're not here to sell books, but I, I think you'll be blessed by it. And uh, It'd be a book you can share with other people. There'll be other people in your life who think you need to read it. I promise yeah. you. So uh, you know, we never have been a book salesman. I mean, no. I mean our whole uh, marketing is to is basically about discipleship. Yeah, it's not on the bestseller list. It's not on the, in the bookstores and things. A lot of that's kind of gone to the wayside anyway. A lot of a lot of it, and and I haven't wanted to go down that right, route because you have to give up your copyright and you know. Uh, if you have somebody publish it like that, it oftentimes uh, is seen for about two years and then it goes to the back. Yeah. You never see it again. And I don't want to do that because I want these things to always be ministering to people. Mm-hmm. So we've taken a, a, a position that start small, go deep and pray big and yeah. just let it happen yeah. according to what happens. And That's we've right. had a steady growth of, of these books uh, going into lives. And the, and, and the books are our are, are messages. Their, their reminders, their theology mm-hmm. that's uh, wrapped into storyline and to uh, human beings. And the reason why is because I feel like that we oftentimes tune, tune theology out mm-hmm. uh, and we need to embrace it uh, in a practical sense. And, and the Lord has given me that uh, perspective and maybe even the ability to write storyline with theology because it resonates, actually it resonates in me, with me, because mm. he's telling me the story. Yeah, yeah. And I write it.
and you kind of, and I've always felt this way too. If, if he's speaking something powerfully to me, it it probably will relate to somebody else. Yeah, you know. And so it's we got to share some of the treasures he's showing us, and uh, it happens in every journey group that I've ever been part of. So yeah. I was talking to uh, one of our friends uh, as I drove home with him, and he's written several books, and he's gone through a very difficult season, uh, very, one of the hardest seasons of his life, actually. And he uh, he's journaled through it, and uh, and he felt like this is stuff that I can't share with anybody because, wow, man, this is this blood, sweat, and tears. And I told him, I said, look, I said, I don't think you can write a good book unless it's with blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, that's right. And it's got to right. be your blood and your sweat and your tears. That's right. That's that's right. That's, that's that's what you write mm-hmm. because we got enough theory out there. We need to know how people process things. Yeah. And. Um, and 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 I've encouraged him to go for it, and I, and he and he agrees. And I said, honestly, the, all the things I've written have come out of my experiences, and yeah, they're 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 stories that are are fictional with, with truth within them, uh, as most allegories are. But the truth is the truth is is not necessarily the detail of us of a scenario, but what drives us to at a place of desperation and at a place of finding our answer mm-hmm. and finding not only relief but finding redirection and then not only find a redirection but purpose mm-hmm. our life becomes very purposeful and that's the discipleship process mm-hmm. is that we go through things that are challenging so that we can see that god is real mm-hmm. Uh, and then our faith grows, and then we become mentors of other people, yeah. helping them to understand the walk is about faithfulness. Keep relying on Him. He will come to you. He will show you the way. That is discipleship. That's mentorship. And we have to be a disciple before we can disciple. Yeah. But let me tell you, we don't stop. We're just being a disciple because we need to make disciples. Yeah, that's right. And I think about all the men of Scripture that we learn from who mm-hmm. went through their struggles. If we, if we didn't read about their struggles, we would we would be so less off, you know, than we are. Paul, David, um, Isaiah, you know, I mean, they all struggle. Gideon, you know, you know. Or your grandmother or your granddad. Yeah, or the, your great it goes on from there, yeah. I mean, right. the unseen and unknown people that have transferred a legacy of messages mm. that's gotten to us to, to show us this God yeah. that's been reaching to us by His grace mm-hmm. all along. Yeah. And we can never discount that because uh, we think of people that are in the Bible as, as you know, smarter or more godly or whatever. I mean, if, you, if you read the Bible, you'll understand they're ordinary people, and a lot of them are really, really messed up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gives us hope. <laughs> and some of them who've written some of the best stuff, like Proverbs. But, you know, in the end, Solomon was really, really messed up. Yeah, that's right. And, right. and uh, David messed up like crazy, but he showed us what repentance looks like. And thank God for grace, right? Like oh, we're talking yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for, for Solomon even, you know. So, yeah. It, it compels us then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Rocky. Um, so uh, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the next secret, which is a secret of right standing with God. So, And I don't know how you're listening to this, uh, Influencers Network podcast. You may be listening on Spotify or Apple podcast, or or you might have gone to our website to listen to it. But uh, I just want to call attention to our website, Influencers 
Influencers.org, where we have, uh, you can obviously pick up Compelled by Grace and Rocky's new book, The Return. Uh, you can also see all the podcasts we've done, which we've done a lot of different ones. Besides Rocky, I've interviewed a lot of different influencers out there, and you'll hear some compelling stories out there. So anyway, be sure you check that out. It's a brand new website if you haven't seen it yet, and we're pretty proud of it. So hopefully it'll be a good resource for you and your and your people out there. So anyway, this is the Influencers Network podcast. I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you. me.